I am a knight. I shall die a knight. Until my last breath. No, nope. I'm trying to remember how he doesn't. I can't. Like I can't remember either. I have to listen to it. I'm the queen's man still. Soon. I'm the queen's man still. Today, tomorrow, always, until my last breath or hers. Barristan Selmy refused to believe that Daenerys Targaryen was dead. It's really fun and cool and exciting to have the opportunity to be inside Barristan's head for the first time because so much is happening in Marine right now and there's so many things that are uncertain. And so, and thinking about like his trajectory of where his, how his role is going to shape the end of this book. It's pretty exciting to embark on this little journey that we're about to embark on with him. Yeah, we love Barristan. And so it was really exciting when he came back into the story the way that he did with Danny. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, that guy. I can't believe it's happening like this. I wonder if people that watch the television show felt the same way. I mean, his epic, like, leaving scene. I could cut you apart just now, like carving a cake. I just was distracted the whole time about his untimely ending in the show. But, and the lack of real heroic swordplay while right, he did it. Right. He looked a little dangerous standing in the alleyway, but it just didn't seem quite as effective as like the flourish that we ultimately wanted to see. And I forget the actor's name, my bad, but he also was, he's a big fan of the book series as well. And I think that he not so secretly also wanted a pretty beautiful, beautifully choreographed fight scene where he's Absolutely. old and kicking ass. Yeah. Have you ever seen the old Star Wars movies? Mm. Not like the old ones, but the ones from the 90s? Okay, there's a scene where, you know Yoda, the character Yoda? Yes. <laughs> right. So, I got a little bit of culturally relevant me. Yoda, yeah. <laughs> which has made its way into your brain somehow. Yeah. You know Baby Yoda, too? Of course I so, do. So, we've seen old Yoda. I know everything about Star Wars. I don't really need to see it. Old Yoda, <laughs> Baby Yoda. We haven't got Baby Barristan yet. That would be pretty cool. We've had we've got a pretty young Barristan in here, though. And some of my favorite moments of this chapter were oh, we him reminiscing about his knighthood like the night he mm-hmm. was knighted and the f- the food that he ate and how mm-hmm. he can still recall so many of those details years and years later so we get a little bit of young barristan there is young barry we didn't get in one of those star wars movies i think it was the second one of the prequels there's this triumphant moment at the end where yoda who's already old even in the prequels is walking up with the cane You've seen Yoda probably. He's really old and frail. Yes. Right? Yeah. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen Star Wars, but, but I'm not it. living under a rock. Sure. Yeah. He walks up and instead of drawing, he's he's about to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of drawing his sword, like most people do, you know how like when they use the force, it's like telekinesis? Yep. He holds his hand out and, it, and he, he, he unsheathes his lightsaber with the force. No one had done oh, that. He's nice. like, Psh, right? Yeah. And then what happens is an epic fight scene like he's little but like fighting better than anyone and you've been waiting as a star wars fan for decades for that to happen you're Mm -hmm. like oh my god and so that's kind of what we were waiting for with barristan with the show a a version of that yeah Yeah. welcome to our star wars podcast yes one person's read it and the other or one person's seen it the other person hasn't but you know the feeling that i get from reading this chapter and the other ones and barry one from wins it's kind of like a the same feeling, like a, a macrocosm of the microcosm of the moment when I knew he was coming back with Danny. Mm-hmm. It was like, can we get chapters like this in the future? Holy crap. So we've waited for A Dance with Dragons. The point of views have been split. Maybe some folks are unsatisfied. 
but it's kind of hard to be unsatisfied when you make it to a Barristan Selmy chapter. This guy like knows everything. He's been around, and within a lot of the stuff that he's reminiscing about are these small little hints that we can tear apart and think about for the next 20 years while we wait for the next book. Totally. Totally. And I think that, I, I feel like we were having a very similar conversation on one of the last episodes. I can't recall specifically. Somebody listening may be able to recall better than I can, but I love how Barrison is this character who we've spent quite a bit of time with and he's been around the block, like you're saying. He's somebody who knows a lot. And we gain a little bit of information from him in this chapter, maybe more so his biases than anything else. Mm. But a lot of it is just him kind of dealing with the fallout of Daenerys leaving and like his own guilty conscience almost of like and his own biases of like if I had maybe done things a little bit differently maybe things would have turned out differently I wasn't able to save Daenerys I wasn't able to do anything about the Targaryen reign you know all these different kind of things he's he's seen seen a lot and he has quite a bit of a burden on his shoulders and I thought it was interesting We've spent so much time with Daenerys at the top of the pyramid, looking out over the city and thinking about, you know, the crushing weight of her rule and what she's supposed to be doing. And then she's gone. And now we get Barrison in the same exact place, having a lot of the same thoughts about what's going to happen next and what could he have done differently. And I thought that that was really cool to kind of get the looking out over the city from his perspective, somebody Mm -hmm. who's a veteran soldier, you know. Who's wondering how yeah. he got there? I liked the the moment where he's it's I think it's a paragraph or two after George describes this guy as like a dead flesh color. Yes. Yeah. He's looking out at Marine and he's uh seeing the he looks outside and he sees the smoke rising from the Yunkish camp and he starts to familiarize himself with like he's talking about the four lesser pyramids and neighborhoods and all the potential people that are decorated within certain areas. And I feel like the the geography of Marine and what's happening in Marine is like this graphical representation physically that we're seeing, but also sort of me- metaphysically with the meaning that everyone's associated with, with their areas, even the smoke ra- raising out of the toil outside of the city of all these truths about the world that he's yet to really face. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's ultimately this old guy at the top of the pyramid. And everything that he's looking back through his mind and playing through is true, but his perspective on how to be the night that he said he would be has remained his like guiding light through all of it. And it's been the reason he hasn't drove himself mad or drove himself deep in depression. But as the reader and as George writing it for us, we can't help but to see the, what what his life has ultimately fruited for him yeah. standing and looking at it, the smoking ruin and the the problem that he ultimately has to face and the thing that he runs from that he talks about running from he talks about his past his history with the, the different kings with the reasons he's he rose up in the first place the reason he started to get the legendary status that he had in the first place he's running from playing the game of thrones every step of the way he refuses he- to do it but he has to now. Yeah. He's at the end of it. Yeah. He's so old that he may not be able to walk up the 800 foot pyramid for Christ's sake. Which is like an unbelievably Unbelievable. large. I don't want to do that now. <laughs> no. I don't want to do it. But he's thinking about it and he has no 
like kids to send forward as he's thinking about his old age. And so he starts to talk about the kids that he would leave behind to train and to ultimately take over his role with Daenerys. Mm -hmm. But Daenerys, like the kings before him, are still like that thing that that's within him that he is able to sort of rely on as his North Star without driving himself crazy throughout this whole thing. I don't know how I really feel about that personally. Does what he do you mean? Does he really, really buy into it? Because he's really smart and he's been around for a long time and he's seen the ways that the game can go. And he's seen people that are too greedy and selfish get taken out early. He's also seen people that deserve to be taken out stay much longer. And he's also joined in on the public shaming of Jamie, who took care of the person that he thinks should have been taken care of in the first place. Mm -hmm. So he understands the subtlety among all of this. But yet he doesn't really act on it. He uses that rule, that like source code of who he is as a a way to, like I said, just say who he is without having to really make the decision for himself. And I don't know. It's a, I don't know if it's a good thing for him necessarily, but for the story and for Marine specifically, I really like it because it adds this sort of among all the leveraging that everyone's trying to do with Danny being gone. And Drogon having taken her away, so the one dragon is down also. all those people. Everyone's trying to leverage in this chaos. He's got this weight of his, well, I know what's happening. I could play the game. And I kind of like know the game. But I can kind of pretend like I don't. And also, I can just lean heavily on the fact that I'm going to do what I said I would do. So even in his conversation with Scott has at the end, he's like, I'm not, I'm going to tattle on you if you act without us making sure this is a thing and that's the most budge i've ever seen him make i mean this is our first pov with him but he budged a little bit so it's like that weight that i was talking about within him that i think is kind of bad for himself personally but kind of good and interesting for the story is wavering and so these next chapters with him that we're going to go through in dancing dragons is kind of like the 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 justifying actions to change him in this old age mm -hmm, or at right. least to i don't know if it's if it really changes changes him but to spurn him forward to start acting in a way that he hasn't really done before and it may give him an opportunity in his mind to kind of redeem himself for the mis not the mistakes but you know he's as you've been saying he's lived his life according to a specific code this whole time and now he has he's faced with what could be argued as treason or you know going against who he is as somebody in the queen's guard or something and so now not only is it like a question of political power and what's the right move for daenerys's reign or for what daenerys is trying to accomplish but it's also an ego thing like what's the right move for him as yeah it's like a sandbox a yeah. that he can play in almost yeah because he's not in westeros anymore but he does care about the the lives of his lads that he's training and I think that he takes a shining to people like Grey Worm. Eventually. And he cares deeply about Daenerys. Yeah, what does. does he call her? I was looking at the really um, his bright shining child queen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a pretty sincere thing. And so. Well, he's putting a lot of the thing is he's put on so much weight on her. That's kind of unfair for Daenerys when you think about it. Mm -hmm. I was wondering. So, you know, we're kind of talking about 
him and his past and like his allegiances and things like that. This whole time I was thinking about the whole Fagon ordeal and kind of how somebody like Barristan is going to react to that potential wrinkle in Daenerys's plot as somebody who in this chapter is like so deeply regretful of what happened with Rhaegar and how he would have been this unbelievable king and things may have been different and it could have turned the Targaryen reign around but instead you know things went a little bit differently and so how he could potentially react hearing the news that like there is a like another one out there you know what I mean how that might change things for him or not at all because he seems to be pretty loyal to Daenerys but that's just kind of like another underlying question I had as I was reading through the chapter it'll be interesting to see him try to justify that in a POV chapter right he's made the vow to Daenerys but also this is Aegon right he actually mentions by word the baby Aegon right in this chapter so it's like probably would recall some sort of a uh I mean, what's the word? Not like necessarily fatherly, but just how cute kids are and stuff. Like he would, I bet he would make that up in his mind. Like, oh, it's so special. This kid is so alive. I saw him when he was just a babe. Right. Oh my God, I can't believe he survived. And I know I'm sworn to Daenerys, but hmm. Before he seemed like immovable. Because we didn't have we his POV. His exactly, <laughs> <You know>? exactly. <laughs> we were talking about this totally unrelated but we were talking about earlier today about like jk rowling was untouchable before she tweeted right exactly and now she like tweets and so it's like okay well, now yeah. we know who you are yeah it's like please be mysterious yeah. take, take your twitter bio back to just the word author right it was so douchey when you think about it just to put that but at the same time it's so much more douchey now but now we get like with barrison you know we'll maybe see some of his different Falls here at the end. Do but. you think if Twitter or if Twitter, if do you think if Barrison had a Twitter account that he would change his profile picture every week or so? Absolutely <laughs> not. I don't think he would know how is the reality. <laughs> you say that, but he's so aware of his outfits. And he's also so, so aware. he's so deeply aware of just like everything that he's doing. So think about the oh, beginning yeah. of the chapter when he is talking to his dar and mm-hmm. he refuses to call him his magnificent. Well he's magnificent. talking I think he's talking about his Oh he's dar. talking about him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. But he won't refer to him as his magnificence. He calls him Why would you? his grace. You <laughs> right. know, like it's on purpose, like mm-hmm. in a way to kind of insult him a little a little bit. And it's kind of like, okay, I see your energy and like your bias and slight defiance here throughout this chapter rings pretty true. Curmudgeonly. So I just thought that was really funny. Do you think that he would do that if he was younger, if that's an old man thing or if it's a Westerosi prejudice thing? We've Probably talk- a little bit of everything. We've talked about it before, but everyone is so comfortably prejudiced against the people in Marine. Even, I feel, people reading the books. Even George. You know what I mean? Just the way he talks yeah. about old gis and the way right. he talks about what people are up to, eating dogs and stuff. Right. In Marine. Well, especially, I mean, if you look at just Daenerys's experiences here, I mean, she hasn't really necessarily done her best to try to assimilate into these cultures that she's trying to assert her dominance what, over. The Tokar? You yeah. didn't think that was enough? <laughs> But it's interesting because, and and even like questions that my own biases and questions that I have as I'm reading this chapter is a lot of the conflict of this chapter is kind of talking about who potentially attempted, not potentially, who attempted to poison Daenerys Mm -hmm. with those, um, were they honey locusts? And just the question of, was it his dar? Was it shave pate? Was mm-hmm. it somebody else kind of thing? And how me thinking, well, Daenerys doesn't have any of her people. 
like who 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 does Daenerys trust that's like not some of her OG people and it's like well that's probably not necessarily the best POV to come from but because you look at somebody like the Shaypate who is not from Westeros like who is from more of like a local energy and so it's like my initial reaction of well why do we trust the Shaypate we don't know anything about him kind of thing when seemingly he's been pretty loyal to Daenerys for survival necessities along the way but so convenient for him to to reject the hairstyle of Ogeese and take off the hair and join the ranks of Daenerys and to climb so so swiftly yeah lucky him what do you think instead of getting murdered first off part one of the question do you think that his dar is pretty awesome for having a royal confectioner (laughs) most importantly (laughs) I mean yeah that is cool it was pretty cool. He's like one of those people that work at Disneyland that uh-huh. hand make those. Uh, they like once a year. I saw a video on it recently, like Guy Fieri, like old uh, Guy Fieri uh, Triple D episode. It was like a holiday special at Disneyland. These guys making candy canes by hand. Mm-hmm. That's the guy. Mm-hmm. That's the guy's daughter that they took. Right. That just he's spent his whole life getting really good at making candy so much that he's the confectioner for a guy that presides over eight hundred foot pyramid. We're going to take his daughter away for all this? Man. These people are savage, or the story wasn't true. What do you think? Do you think Shave Pate is on our side? Slash, do you think he had anything to do with the poisoning? Slash, do you think he secretly wants his own royal confectioner? <laughs> <laughs> um, to the last point, absolutely yes. Makes I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say. You look at somebody like Hisdar, who were already really kind of... We don't have a lot of warm feelings towards him necessarily. We're so suspicious from day from one. From day one, we from the are. moment when he's coming and again George is and again, again. Yeah, it's about not like we're accidentally suspicious. Right, it exactly. Seems suspicious. So that's what makes me think, like, take a step back and be like, well, we're so obviously being pointed down the direction of this is all his Dar's fault. You know, Daenerys has been gone for like five seconds and he's already kind of taking things over, whether it's for his own survival. I mean, he seems to be pretty afraid of his own city and kind of all these things that are happening. He's trying to get one of his cousins to run the Unsullied. Right. I mean, to me, that's probably like the shadiest thing of all the things that he does in the wake of Daenerys leaving. It just seems like a stretch. The the brazen beast, taking the brazen beasts away from the shave paint makes more sense. Right. I think of that like a Ned City Watch, Littlefinger sort of situation without all the treachery, just Mm -hmm. straight up a, a he was probably across the board, just like this is what's going to happen. These guys are the, basically the royal Taking guards. Control. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why I interrupted you. I'm sorry, but it was suspicious. Some of it was, but some of it also wasn't. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and that's what I what I was saying. And so, you know, I think we're meant to be suspicious of what his dar is doing because we already don't like him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, he's just like a guy who is just doing his best to kind of take hold of the political power that he's been given and to kind of protect his family and protect his position of power. And so, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I think we're kind of being meant to be suspicious of his dar. So that's why it's kind of interesting to look around and see other potential options. Shave Pate seems to be kind of coming in here and stirring up trouble a mm-hmm. little bit. And I think that Shave Pate is a person who has been really loyal to Daenerys and whose like life is dependent on that. And so we haven't really had any reason to question that so far but 
at this point, nobody is really, there's just a lot of chaos going on. And so nobody is really clearly the quote unquote bad guy. And so as Barristan kind of moves, you think about the, where the story is going for Barristan as we're moving into battle, as we kind of talked about in the Winds of Winter tra- sample chapters that we did a couple months ago. That was last year, by the way. <laughs> I think like a that year from was now, a year ago, basically. You're right. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Um, he is eventually, you know, like taking over what's happening in the city, and they decide to move against Hisdar. And so, whether that is the right decision or not, whether any of that even really matters, you know, it's all just finally stuff is moving, and finally the wheel is quickly turning, and our time here is very speedily coming to an end and so what was i saying why did i say all of that (laughs) (laughs) talking about basically saying all of that to say i'll summarize what i just all over the place is saying a probably his his star is somebody that we're being pointed to very directly so it's like well maybe we should be suspicious of that b who are other players that we could think about that might also be in the mix looking for political gain and see does it even really matter because the plot has already been put into motion and by the time like are we going to be around long enough to really get the answer to this or is this you know just another piece of let's get the heck out of here and move forward so that's the beautiful part in the literature as far as the plot are being put into motion with all of the geographical descriptions and just knowing that we're in a story, but he puts the supporting evidence there in the chapters. There's all this scale happening around us. And these people are just ants in the greater game. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to get like a zoom in on their personality and try to understand before they make their decisions what kind of decision they're going to make. But they're ultimately all, even whoever's responsible for the poisoning and stuff, swept up in this tumultuous situation in Slaver's Bay. One that even Volantis wants to join in on. I think it's really easy not to trust his dar because he doesn't talk to anyone inside of the city seemingly that we're friends with like he's making some kind of a deal with Volantis it seems and we're bringing a whole new tribe of people in with all of their volunteer slaves that are local that have been freed that are probably not going to be unfreed at that point and so obviously we feel like he's circumventing everything, everything. that Danny put into place yeah. immediately right which seems just suspect but at the same time you've got this guy Shapepate who is so passionate about what's happening I wonder, why wouldn't he just leave? Like, why wouldn't someone just leave if you got... It's it's probably the same thing. Like, I haven't left New York, even though I'm in the middle of COVID. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, the like the pale mayor is riding outside and inside the Literally, city. Literally, COVID is happening there. Worse. They were talking so about... So much worse. I know, but it was so funny because there was a quote in the beginning that was like, the markets were closed, the streets were empty, crowds were sparse, things like that. And I was like, ah, that's all too familiar to us these days. Except the sparse crowds. Crowds are still pretty strong these, these days. Well, at, now in the, the summertime, yes, but... A few months ago, it wasn't the case. But there at the beginning of it, yeah, people took it really seriously. Mm-hmm. I forget what I was saying. You were just talking about Shave Pay and why he's staying. Yeah, why doesn't he just? Why doesn't he just leave? Mm-hmm. Unless he's got more of a plan there. I know that he was given when he turned down the role of being basically the sewer person in his Dar's plan after he got uh, what's the word? Not disbarred. He just basically got replaced from yeah. leading the Brazen Beasts. He's like, no, I'm just going to chill in this pyramid that I was, the Kondak pyramid. So he's comfortable. He's got a pyramid, which is, I mean, we often talk about the scale of the story. And this is a, a great reference 
an analogy here. It would be thinking about the way the Iron Throne is depicted in the show and in their art versus what it really was described like and in a lot of the depictions that George will retweet himself. That's kind of like, think about what a normal town or a normal city, stony city like Marine looks like and then just make it crazy, high fantasy crazy. So yeah, he probably doesn't want to leave that and it probably feels pretty safe there being him even though all that stuff's happening in the city. But at the same time, remember when he was like, the beasts are still mine. Mm -hmm. What if the brazen beasts are the sons of the harpy? Okay. And what if he's one of the, the leaders of the sons of the harpy? And what if his whole thing is basically disrupting, so, destabilizing everything? Do you think him trying to get Barristan and company, like the Unsullied and stuff on his side kind of, continue to create some of that chaos like what's his end game well like i said like why didn't his dar do that in a nice way or at least in a way that made barry or someone else want to really join his side instead of like looking outward it seems like this guy could be looking inward and he probably has less ego and a little bit more ambition mm -hmm. probably less to lose too than his dar so he's just going to go tell Barry what he wants to hear. Whereas his daughter's like, I'm king. I'm going to talk to Volantis. I don't, right. I'm going to, I'm going to demand that I'm going to command that the unsullied change their leader. So then I can control them. Right. Instead of getting Grey Worm on my side, instead of working within the walls and getting these people to work with us, he's letting the, the scale of the majesty of his position, his magnificence, his illustriousness, as we're reminded by Resnick to tell, to call him, you know, all these little hints and indicators that someone who's so up jumped is it's a bit ridiculous at, at a time like this to be taking so seriously the the post of your command when there's nothing but destabilization happening all around you might be the kind of guy to look toward that the uh, like highbrow governing approach rather than the brass tacks sort of a. Uh, like a guerrilla warfare sort of tactic that it seems like Shave Pate is doing. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't Shave Pate also be the guy to do that with the with the sons of the harpies? Mm -hmm. Like why would his dar not think to do more of a localized approach to stuff if he is the guy or if he's one of the guys in the sons of the harpy or if he's aware of it? Why wouldn't he then take that same sensibility to handle the situation now? So I'm curious. I don't feel like I trust Shave Pate, even though, like I told you earlier, before we started recording, I've always liked him mm -hmm. for some reason. Yeah, you did say that. He seemed like way more agreeable. And maybe that's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> I've had bad luck with that as well. Yeah. But he seemed like way more agreeable and like in the squad already than the rest of them. They all seem so hesitant to sort of transition over to this new new way of life. And I know that he had personal reasons to really be associated with Danny, but I don't know. It just seems kind of too good to be true, almost. I like his tenacity, but I think it might be misplaced, mm -hmm. or at least, like, unpurposely misplaced. Right. Well, and we're definitely in a situation right now where we are absolutely going to be more mistrustful of anybody, especially somebody like Barrison, who we're reading this through his eyes. I mean, it's his job to 
not be trusting of anyone and anything, you know, in his attempts to be a better protector and maybe rewrite some of the wrongs that he feels like he committed when he was younger. And so um, the thing that I think is interesting is Shave Pate really demands that they act immediately. Like there's no time to really waste. This is something that they need to strike now and they need to handle the situation ASAP. And so, you know. He's definitely the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I don't know for sure. But I mean, that sense of urgency, there is a lot happening and unfolding. And we think about Volantis, like you're saying, kind of OMW for his dar. This is a time when they're in peace, quote unquote. And so hopefully he, he makes some comment. What is that thing? He he makes some comment about his dar's peace has lulled us to sleep. They believe. Yeah. And so, you know, this you is mean a, Danny's peace. Yeah. The peace that right. Danny brokered. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's already like, everyone already forgot that, <laughs> but he's just very like, for good reason, there's like a deep sense of urgency, but that's another piece of like, well, maybe we should be thinking twice about what the shape is trying to do just because he's trying to make things happen really quickly. Or he really believes that they have a chance to circumvent this whole thing mm-hmm. if they defeat the youngish horde outside and maybe even the sickness before Volantis gets there. Those are so, those are two so deeply troubling and large tall orders mm-hmm. to ask and they're severely outnumbered i mean mm-hmm. they've got quite a few folks on their side and you think about like the unsullied being on their side talk about powerhouses to For kind sure. of be able to back you up but their numbers are just so much less than what the other side has yeah. control over and mm-hmm. so it feels like an underdog type of situation but we get that window into what the forces are like outside from his conversation with the shave paint mm-hmm. and they're they're not doing good there's like disorder well nobody's doing good yeah <laughs> right but it's like doesn't it seem worse outside of i don't know maybe maybe it just is maybe it's just as bad with his daughter being in charge and and the queen's man not trusting the king and they're not being like real order but i feel like at the same time barristan ultimately has shown that we can kind of count on him to just instead of doing the hard thing to just lean back on his vow and so if shit was going down, I feel like he'd fight for his dar if he had to. I don't but he, that's what he's grappling with here at the end is that he didn't make a vow to his dar. But it's because he's been given another option, I think. Yeah. An- another thing to do. So if it came to blows with the people outside based on like him not acting, it would be like the laziest version of being Barristan. And yeah. so I think maybe he's trying to, like you said, right some of those wrongs by being not as lazy here. And it just so happens that he's in a place where he already kind of disrespects the people. So it's like he's more he, yeah, comfortable he already, to do it. Yeah, he already kind of doesn't really vibe with everything that's going on so he's here. Like, you know, so. It's fine. I'm 70. I'm at the yeah. end. I'm at the end of all this. I might actually play my hand, but not really say to himself truthfully what he's doing. But it's fine to be someone that's so serious. And this is this is a big takeaway, I think. Because I think people of all ages are reading these books. And I know as I've gotten older that I've sort of realized how when I was younger, I thought that older people were smarter and more put together and more sure. But this guy's 70 and he's one of the most legendary humans in the story. And it's kind of easy to be like, dude, you should do it like this. And if we can say that about him, holy crap. We're we're all in a, it's like we're at a, a state of chaos almost, you know, it's like a, this vibrating state of chaos and we can only like really rely on 
what actually happens and what's actually going to happen here. Like I said, it seems like, and we know for sure that Barristan's going to move forward and try to navigate his way through this Mirny's knot and become the guy, become the queen's hand, like unofficially, then officially, which is really satisfying to see. And I'm really looking forward to getting into those chapters, but we still don't have answers about some of the mysteries in here. And we might not ever get answers to some of the mysteries. Yeah, that would here. be disappointing. I don't know. To me, to me, that's the same like <laughs> question. It's like when everybody, pe- whenever people talk about Lost, they're like, <laughs> "But what about the polar bears?" They, but they talked about that. Did you not watch the addendum to that? No, that's not. But I'm right. <laughs> Let's get into Lost <laughs> really quick. Do you remember that the <laughs> yeah. clip they released after the show? Right, but I'm saying like during the show while right. the show was airing, yeah, and near the end, like the very end, it was like, well. We're like dealing with something that's so far removed from sure. the polar bears at this point. Like, why are you still harping on these things that like were just catalysts to the story? What if you anyway. get a, a novella in Marine after this? Like, whether or not no, oh, this would be we're perfect. So hold, dumb. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's after the White Walkers win, right? But like, we only see their victory in Westeros. Mm-hmm. We just assume there's like a really dark last paragraph where George is describing the weather in a way that's terrible. Donald Trump has just been elected for his fourth term, Some, <laughs> something like that in real life. Mm-hmm. And so it's reflected in the story. The White Walkers win. It's horrible. And the novella that we get, if the Earth survives a couple more years, is in Marine. But like, it's say it's Shavepate and he's, you know, reminiscing about the things that he did. I don't know why I'm picking on him so bad this episode. <laughs> yeah, I thought you liked him. <laughs> but he did he did bad stuff, right? And then the White Walkers come in Marine. And that's the novella. Okay. No? <laughs> I mean, sure. I'm done with Marine, like personally. So I think we can, you know, get a little move on. Once we leave Marine, it's like we spent enough time here. No Do you disrespect. think that Barry's gonna make it out alive? I don't know. I think that's a good question. And that's this is another one of those things where they didn't, like you're saying at the beginning of the episode, they did him so dirty in the show that it's just kind of, I mean, it's obvious from where we see in the books that things play out a little bit differently for him. But I think that's a Barristan going down in some really heroic way would be pretty satisfying. You it know? better be heroic, though, because I don't really believe in any of the stuff that's happening. I know. But you look at him and somebody who... What he says, um, as he's kind of reminiscing, he's thinking of different all these different knights and mm-hmm. different kings he served under, and kind of what it is to be the kind of man that he is. And it's like the best of them overcame their flaws, did their duty, and died with their swords in their hands. The worst, dot dot, the worst were those who played the Game of Thrones. Cold. I mean, so maybe that's maybe this is like foreshadowing of him not dying with a sword in his hand because he is being oh my God, a protector, but so is dark. instead dying in some smaller way because he does decide basically by the end of the chapter that he's going to start participating. Man, can you imagine getting to the end of it, having survived so long? Well, especially as we see... <laughs> getting punished for Especially playing. depending on how like the battle turns out and Daenerys' return and all of that. You know, I think that's going to be pretty... Please just give me Barristan and Vic. You know, angrily <laughs> or non-angrily wow. being on the same team. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, he's anchored outside of Slaver's Bay right now, just waiting to come in with the. That's what priest. I'm saying. Is it just thrilling? It's so just you're very exciting. Yeah, but that's like 
so is everybody else on planet Earth. Right, but what's more exciting than what's happening in Marine in the winter? Because stuff is happening in Marine. You know what I mean? Because we're finally getting to this point where we're unraveling this classic Miranese knot. Mm -hmm. And we're finally kind of making movement and things are actually going somewhere. And people are converging and stuff's clashing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's less theoretical and more in person, like actually coming to fruition. And so to me, that's just really exciting. And so that's the way I felt about the end of this chapter. Whenever he met with the shave pate, I felt like it was really exciting. I liked that sort of mobility and I liked the importance of his words. And you were talking about time. We need to act now. I like the importance of time and I like their odds based on what he said about how disorganized everything is. And we're going to get that perspective from Tyrion it's so dark i remember when i when i read it for the first time thinking about it was just like a a nasty sick like vomit filled and just really like amorphous fat blubbery deserty like a combo of stuff also jorah's in the midst of it he's like been beaten so bad he's pulpy people have uh worn wrists and ankles from the the manacles that they wear it sucks to get out of the boat and the slavers situation with Tyrion and then to be outside of Marine like this. Mm-hmm. People don't like it. I don't think people like reading it. I think they like they like Tyrion and King's Landing with all this beautiful towers and people that he can make remarks to. Right. And not like quip his, at. Yeah, yeah. Not his depressed, like, you know, Penny, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I mean, from my perspective, I kind of, I love like that it? perspective from Tyrion. Yeah, Absolutely. So you like the weird depression funk that he's like? I mean, I don't, I don't like it, but I think it's, I think it's interesting. Well, I'm not asking if you support oh. it necessarily, <laughs> but you enjoy reading it yeah. versus like the the structure that he had before. For sure, really? he's so much more likable now. Really? Would you say? I don't know. I I'm, I'm like I'm darkness. not very smart. <laughs> I'm not very smart. I have the the title of this podcast came from basically Tyrion having an early like streak of of just zingers on people yeah slapping joffrey and stuff i'm kind of shallow i'm like oh yeah this is totally how it's always going to be or at least i was then probably like slightly slightly improved so i'm sort of missing those moments i guess from Tyrion is what i'm I, saying that's fa- i mean that's fair that's fair but i think we have got i would hope to th- think that we've got many more of those to come that things won't be too serious that we can't continue to have those you know eventually as things start moving in a different direction there was also something about this chapter that rubbed me in kind of a weird way where I try to vocalize the the way that the pace of stuff feels. I think I talked about it in the last Danny chapter. Oh, actually. yeah, I remember. Yeah. Well, I, I don't remember specifically what you said, but I remember you talking about being unsatisfied with the pacing. And I'm, I mean, I don't know what else he would do, but, you know, we have all these POVs and I know that we can't dill dally too much. Maybe hawking with Sansa was like a little bit too much deal downing. I don't know. I'm sure there was. I can't. I can't remember specifically. I know there was stuff with Marjorie, but there was things to be discovered about truths between royals and like who your friends really are and like how they treat their the girls that hang out with them that aren't like. For example, Marjorie's friends are her best friends. They've actually been hanging out with her for like her whole life. But I'm going to treat you, Sansa, better than them, even though I just met you because you're this this lordly, you know, a lordling's daughter. Learning learning that kind of stuff, I feel like maybe it wasn't a waste. But maybe it's taken to an extreme almost when 
the last thing that we saw of this storyline was Danny flying away. And now when we enter it, I forget the specifics. I guess I could read it, but the gist is every like all of Danny's chips have all of her dominoes have fallen in a bad way. Like they've I think when dominoes fall it's supposed to be on like as designed, mm-hmm. but it went backwards or something. Dario's captured. Basically all of her people are misplaced and unhappy and taken out of positions of power so quickly. I feel like there there wasn't a lot of transition time and there wasn't a lot of time to sort of like feel where we were. What did I write you didn't, you're not satisfied with where we are, Marie. Like we spent 500 hours there. I think that people feel inside of them a little bit disappointed with the scale of the story. Whenever they read the next chapter and everything like clockwork has already fallen into place. Mm. It's kind of like the the feeling at the end of the, the series, for lack of a better comparison, where all the stuff has sort of inexplicably fallen perfectly in place for this part of the story to be discussed. And it's like clockwork. It's like, well, of course Hisdar has done this and taken over and now Dario's captured and all these people have fallen out. We didn't really see it happen, though. We just like here we get an info dump of it, and then now we're doing this. It just feels like, and that was the, the like kind of like the beginning of Danny's chapter, her last chapter, and then or I guess it was the one before because we put the, her last two together, and then she flew away. Where it's just like okay, here's all the here's all the details, but now we're walking to the great. So it's like oh, so this is the thing you wanted to put in the chapter, huh? But there's yeah. all this other info. It just feels so conveniently put into place. It's like fast travel, sort of. Like it was, almost feels unearned. I don't know what the alternative is. I'm not an author. I don't know what you should do. I'm sure that this is probably the best that he could come up with, and it might even be the best that you could do. I just feel like there's a little bit of disappointment because I feel like I know what's going to happen. I expect it all like this. And so I am I'm feel mystery about who did what, but I already know sort of what's going to happen. That's interesting to me because two things to kind of say to that. The first is, for me, all of that stuff happening, quote unquote, off screen, off page, lends itself to a little bit more of a mystery of what is actually like the things that the, the conversations and the things that are actually going on. Like adds a little bit more to the chaos because we don't ne- we don't really understand the types of conversations that his daughter is having, or we don't really understand all the pieces that kind of led to Barrison's day today. Whereas before we were with Daenerys, like in deep excruciating detail of like every second of her day, because there was nothing really going on. Like at the beginning of dance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And so it's a little bit jarring because now we're left out of conversation and a lot of details. And so to me, that kind of adds to this layer of, well, who do we trust and who are we supposed to be looking to and who is behind all of these different things that are happening? What was my second point that I was going to say? I can't remember right now. It'll maybe come back to me. But that's kind of, that's my read on it. Oh, and the second of like, well, we already know what's going to happen. I mean, I can't like get inside your head. So I don't know exactly how you come to those conclusions and things like that. But I think it's also difficult from a, at this point in the book series, knowing what we know from the show and knowing enough of what we know about the book series it's obvious that Daenerys is going to, I mean, Daenerys is going to come out the other side of whatever ends up happening here. And in some way, I also think it's easy 
And it's easy for me as a reader to dismiss a lot of the stuff that could potentially come out of the end of the Marine portion because it's like, well, Barrison, you know, he because he wasn't important in the show, he's not going to be important at the end of the book series or like you look at Tyrion, he's going to link up with Daenerys, blah, 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 whatever. And then we'll get to some of the drama back in King's Landing. You know what I mean? And so I think it's like kind of easy to dismiss or to assume things because we think that we know how everything is going to go, which might not necessarily be the case. I don't think it is with me because I put way too much emotional weight on just the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. I get a little bit too romantic about it. I'm like, ooh, a Barristan chapter. I can't believe it. I'm like texting my friends. Like, do we can't wait till we get more Barry chapters. Oh, my God. What do you guys think about Sell Me? I feel like I'm the target audience to have time wasted on me. <laughs> or not when it comes to this stuff right for sure so i try to i try to go into these chapters not being too annoyed but I, i'm reading it and i'm just like okay so all this it just seems like uh it's the the kind of writing i need someone smarter than me to talk about this like the kind of writing where the author clearly tells you it's like putting a an adverb and uh after dialogue where it's like blah 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 said sharply mm-hmm. it's it's apparently something amongst authors to try to remove as much of those as possible because you're supposed to have all this real foundation. Like if you're good enough, you've what you're writing is, is representing the story as it is. You don't have to go in and put in all of these sort of qualifiers to keep like nudging you. Like he said it sharply because he's upset. You're mm-hmm. supposed to kind of know that he's upset. Yeah. yeah, 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 and yeah So yeah. it's kind of like a version of that for me where I'm yeah. just like, all right, so I'm supposed to think this way because all this stuff has happened. Rather than showing me, I'm getting it told to me. And so then I'm understanding. It's just like exposition. Yeah, but it's in his brain, and then he's reacting to it, which is cool. I, I Believe me, I want to see Barry reacting to anything after all this time, like bring it on. This is this is a pretty big moment. We've got a Barristan Selmy point of view. And I know personally for me, like the last decade or so of my life, maybe a little bit more, I've been, he's been one of my idols as far as the the way people fight and survive and intimidate each other in Westeros. He's been one of the guys to look to. And so now we have his chapter. Now we get his opinions and things like exactly. that. Exactly. So it's cool to get his opinion after all the stuff is done. I just feel like in a book like A Dance of Dragons, there's already so much stuff. And in chapters like Danny's chapters and Marine. There's all these names, Skahas. They all sound the same. Is named after I'm assuming the Skahazadon, which is the river mm-hmm. that Danny flew north over. Resnick, more Resnick. All the different graces. Your grace, mm-hmm. blue grace, green grace, red grace. There's already so much of that sort of proliferation of things that make you go. Eh. You kind of. I'm gonna read this paragraph fast. I don't do that. Of course not to be. <laughs> but you know when you find yourself doing that, right? It's like that sort of, we're already sort of there after the process throughout the whole book. And to add insult to injury, you're going to tell me what's happening? Show me what's happening. That's fair. I Like I said, I understand where you're coming from on that. I just read it a little bit differently than you. I think that you're, the way that you put it's a lot, a lot, probably the way that George wanted it to be taken by people. And like I said, I, I think there's no other really, I don't, I can't think of any other way that it should be done. I, I can't offer up another thing, but I know that it's a thing amongst people to, they talk about the mirror and he's not, and they kind of go, eh, I don't know if that's going to matter or be a thing. Uh, people don't really 
put a lot of stock in remembering details. Even people that I know love A Song of Ice and Fire and make costumes and stuff. It's just like, yeah. Mm. And I think it's mostly because of the way that you feel while reading it, or at least feel while leading up to it and stuff. It can't be like, all ever, all these people share a flaw of like, we just can't pay attention to things. That's not really the case. I don't really think that that's really the case. I think that maybe it just kind of is a little, I don't know, weird at the end or sort of gets to feel that way. But I like what you said about the sort of micromolar process through Daenerys's point of view. You know, a lot of sitting around on the pyramid and looking over and thinking. And then now there's like a lot of action seemingly. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, like I said. It's exciting, and tension continues to build, and Barrison is about to be thrust forth into a lot of big decisions. And so I feel like we got a lot of setup just for a lot of the stuff that's to come. Who do you think poisoned Danny? I decided that I'm in the camp of I don't know if we're ever going to necessarily find out because I think that things are going to, as you've been saying, move so quickly that that is going to potentially be something that's left unresolved. It's a really good non-answer. I love giving (laughs) non-answers. Who doesn't? His dar's like, you should try the honey locusts. They're delicious. But he doesn't eat one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Uh, Another question. So Resnick Moresnick, who's uh, looking like uh, his is number two right now in Mm -hmm. some way. Do you think he's literally described in this chapter as a perfume seneschal? Yeah. You know, Quaid's morning, beware the perfume seneschal. Do you think that he's the perfume seneschal? I mean, what's he going to do? Is the perfumes, is Daenerys's attempted poisoning supposed to be that prophecy? Mm, I don't know. And so is he like involved in that? Beware. I don't know. It seems like that would be a disappointing way to express that. Like, oh, yeah, it's happened already and she already avoided it. You know, like she didn't need it. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I guess. I but, think I'm saying no to that based simply on that fact alone. But what, you know, what else is there that they could do yeah. to, to mess her deal? I mean, I don't know. Whenever she gets back, maybe we'll find out. But he's literally called the perfume mm-hmm. seneschal. So it's just not often we get a prophecy and, with such straight up words and right. then it literally be it's some meta there's some meta meta narrative writing in it that George is doing so it's either to me like a big misdirection or it's another layer of misdirection where he might actually be the one but then and then Barrison makes a comment about how real men sweat yeah. basically yeah. it's like okay we get yeah it. exactly You're so a real we're bringing man. more well yeah Come on, Barry. (laughs) Like, it just goes back to him being so, like, he doesn't like anything. Judgmental. Yeah, he just hates on everything in Marine 24-7. Like, he doesn't give anybody a chance Mm -hmm. or anything a chance. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Like I said, though, or like I asked earlier, do you think it is his being an old man thing or do you think it's him being Barristan thing? I think it's him being a Barristan thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I agree with what you said. I agree that, like, that's a the perfume seneschal thing. I mean, that's, like, a pretty heavy-handed. The glass de- candles are burning. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I guess it depends on kind of, and we might not remember, you might not also, also might not remember exactly this, but is his dar? Barrison confronts him about putting him in prison, basically. Mm-hmm. Is he in prison? Or is that just, like, we're moving towards that, you know? So maybe there's something about him being 
captured and then there's probably a mention of that at the beginning of the t-wow chapter but i can't remember Oh, i'm sure there is people listening will remember and you guys can uh tweet at us or just like yell it into the void but um i can't remember exactly if he is on his way to be jailed or if he is currently jailed you know what i mean i don't think it necessarily matters but just thinking about whatever his name is if that could potentially be his role oh you're talking about redneck yeah like letting him out yeah 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 Mm. like maybe that's like his the perfume central like he's got like something if they she comes back with drogon maybe a kalsar who knows while they're maybe still finishing the fight or let's say the fight's over or whatever and they win and then the whole plot with whatever Resnick and his are doing it's it actually it's like they got through all the hard stuff and these dudes are back at it again mm-hmm. though that would be so unsatisfying well because it's like what Annoying. do we do Ugh. like let's just get out of here right exactly you know right that might be the reason let's just burn it all to the ground you know what let's burn this mother to the ground you know, know. what let's just do know. it yeah oh speaking of 214 people died at the end of that last chapter. That's so that's a pretty big number. Oh, especially for the 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 freer of slaves, mm-hmm. breaker of chains to to for all those people to die in her escape. I Holy mean, shit. I don't think Daenerys did that on purpose. Oh, of course not. Well, yeah. maybe of course not. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I, to me it didn't read like she did it on purpose. Right. Along those lines though, so this I don't know, this is probably going to be my own though, so maybe I shouldn't mention it, but um there's this part in the chapter that made I've gone me... temporarily deaf and have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's this part in the chapter that made me LOL. And so Drogon like burns all these people. And then so they're talking about, well, when Drogon returns, how do they prepare? And there's talk of shooting him down when he returns, like, in the sky. Yeah, all the and scorpions Barrison's around. like, uh-huh. He's like, it's no simple thing to slay a dragon in the sky. In Westeros, many tried to bring down Aegon and his sisters. None succeeded. And so I was just thinking about the, yeah, that huge, <laughs> like, <laughs> arrow that we had in the show. And it just made me laugh laugh out loud like in the book it's like and maybe you know there is something like that that will be used and it'll be like the first time something like that's ever happened but in the show it just seems almost cartoonish at this look point look at my big like, dick yeah <laughs> i'm gonna fuck that, that dragon right out of the sky <laughs> yeah. it so. kind of sucks that bronze dick wasn't big enough to take down the dragon right right but euron's definitely was that just made me laugh so it is we'll funny. see but you know they're just like trying to fix this drogon problem and it's cute it might work, but 214 people on accident, I don't know if a scorpion's going to take down that dude. I like Barry's dream about Danny with having, like, flaming hair. And mm-hmm. she was, instead of being like, whoa, freaked out, she was, like, in savage command, yeah. striking the dragon. Right. And I like the age gap because he wasn't, like, sexualizing her at the same time. Which, you know, I feel like who wouldn't? So it was, just, you know, a nice, like, raw image of her, a little bit separated from that stuff. I feel like Jory even... If we had a Jorah point of view and he's like seeing her in the fire, he'd still be like, oh my God, look at the shape of her ass or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but even still, Barrison's like, well, I bet that Dario would have maybe done a better job than me. Like maybe uh. Dario would have done. So I wonder if there's like a little bit. I know that he's, I know that how he feels about Daenerys is like, it's not in the same camp as somebody like, um, He's the just rest so of them he's vying for her so attention, <laughs> but it's like he's like can't help but compare himself to Dario. He's like, well, he probably could have run faster than I did, or mm-hmm. I wonder how things might have been different if Dario had been here and it hadn't been me. Who's dark, but kind of true, Barry. 
Yeah, dark but true. Do you think that that is a the, what happened with those people? A kind of brutal foreshadowing to the collateral damage that she's going to inflict with those drags? Well, because look, there's 214 that were killed, and then it was like three or four times that amount were wounded or burned. Jesus. And so, um, you know... And that was, so, that was nothing. But and there was we, a lot of people in one place, though, oddly enough. Right, but we'll, we'll get to this in a couple of chapters. But, I mean, at the end of this whole thing is the other two dragons are loose, you mm-hmm. know? And so, talk about chaos. Yeah, I wonder what they do as far as the killings. Yeah. Whether accidental or on purpose. But, I mean, that's why Daenerys, that's the only reason why Daenerys stands any sort of chance. Because she's got, she's the one with the dragons. And they and Fagon says that they talk about that all the time. It's like you got the name, but you don't you don't got dragons. So and Quaith isn't visiting you in your dreams right. or your sleep, exactly, or when you're tripping out in the desert. So <laughs> so what do you got who's going really for the you? Hero of this story, <laughs> right? Right. Gosh, that that stuff is so crazy. I was going to read a Quaith Quaith uh, quote, the one about the perfumes. Oh just, yeah, you let's should. Let's just read this for everyone. The glass candles are burning. Soon comes the pale mare, and after her the others. Kraken, just tell her. <laughs> I guess she is kind of telling her, though. Kraken and Dark Flame. Lion and Griffin. The Griffin H- Hannah's like uh, holding her, like shaking her hand in front of me, like, go on, go on. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> because ex- expectedly, she says everything. She right. kind of spells it out. Right. Kraken and Dark dark Flame. Lion and Griffin. The Sun's Sun. Oh, come on. And the Mummer's Dragon. Trust none of them. And also, remember the undying. <laughs> Beware the perfumed chinestrel. I wonder what Barristan thinks about Quaith. Like, if he was able to read the book, I want his point of view on it. Not, <laughs> you not want Barristan's POV of him reading his, yeah. the POVs? <laughs> yeah, or if, if him, I want Barristan's POV of reading Danny POVs. And I want someone that's not as impressed about her own grandiosity listening to this person. That is a human person living in this world. Might be able to do magic, but it's just another person telling her all this ridiculously mysterious stuff. Sounds like some good fan fiction. Exactly. <laughs> so where are you from? She's from a shy, okay. What? Maybe she can't get too involved. It's weird. It's oh, weird. it's absolutely weird. That's why, I mean, you look... I mean, that's also why Daenerys... There is all of this just like grandiosity surrounding her and her trajectory you know and so you can't help but put weight into that even if even without looking at the specifics necessarily it's just like there's so much mystery surrounding her whole journey to get where she is today so people like Quaith and all these different players that are kind of circling around her as she's making her moves like sneaking into her bedroom yeah you know so what does she know that we don't know probably everything or at least enough to, like, it's the same place Melisandre's from. So maybe she's better at doing it than Melisandre. It could be like a 1,200-year-old a person mm-hmm. just sort of flitting in and out. Can you imagine, like, how many times when you drive in and out of a major city or something, eventually you're like, you know, I kind of, like, know this is, before this was this unknown, untraversable, I'm looking at my GPS constantly, place. And now I kind of have the spatial awareness to sort of know where I am. Someone as old as Melisandre or maybe Quaith or however else people are staying alive, whether with magical necklaces or really good genes or whatever technology they're dealing with over there, they probably know the ins and outs of Essos and Westeros. Like, ins and outs. Every corner, yeah. 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 
I wonder how people like that are going to mix with the top brass from places like the people inside the Maester's Order and people from um, Bravos inside of the House of Black and White. Like how they all relate. I feel like there's some kind of metaphysical relation. Not metaphysical, but like some kind of a high-level game connection between people like them, Bryn Rivers, Euron Greyjoy. Like they're being, they're tapping into this other thing that's going on. Yeah. If, if it's not a literal tapping into, it's like they're smarter than everyone else. And they're really pulling back and letting the squabbly stuff sort of play its way out because they're aware of this sort of deeper presence of maybe technology um, or magic, Some which like is kind of be a technology, I yeah. guess, in the world. Because it seems like there's there's people in the know. And then there's people that are just, you know, dealing with stuff as it goes. Right. It's kind of sad to see Barristan as one of those people because he has been around for so long, but he's not really in the know. He's like in the middle of this. Yeah, but I think that that's what makes him such a hashtag relatable. That's why getting a POV from him to me is really cool because we get this opportunity to kind of see him for who he is and just see him as he's just like out here trying his best you know like definition of we out here just like trying to navigate the situation and so many times through this chapter he's just kind of like i don't really know how i ended up here thinking about everything that he's been through i mean every single person doesn't need to be like the ultimate power player Mm -hmm. and maybe he will be i mean maybe he will he will go out in this like super heroic beautiful way or maybe he will just kind of like fizzle and go and that's the story of and that's just kind of the lesson that we're supposed to learn is like not everybody dies the hero that they spend their whole life trying to be. Do you think that the shakiness of what's been going on with Marine and Danny could have been helped now and before if, because Barrison's in this chapter thinking a lot about his age mm-hmm. and about that, like that you were talking about with Dario, him being less effective because of it. But I also think that he was thinking about his effectiveness in general, like his ability to actually do the thing. Well, because he was like, I should have anticipated Daenerys, right. like this whole thing. I should have known, read the sign, saw the writing on the wall. Sure. But also what went down with Eris in the past mm-hmm. and the way that was all handled. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, do you think that maybe it's possible that part of what we're learning with Barry is that even though he's really effective, he's not, he's not really that, he's not that good. And so think I'm I'm wondering do you think things could have been better like if he himself had like the mind of someone that's similar to Tyrion if it could have been better for her in this situation she would have made like diff- no because I think that Daenerys is so has such a strong sense of self and of what she's setting out to do she really I mean all the stuff that she's been doing hasn't been Barristan's idea yeah I know but like so I feel like someone like Tyrion or someone a little bit less really I'm just the thing with, I'm just saying Tyrion because I know he's really smart and because obviously we've seen him depicted with her, but let's just say any other person that's as someone who has as much experience as Barristan. I mean, he should really be the best at it, but I feel like he has this natural check down within him that he relies on. Like this, like this laziness where he's just like, oh, but you know, whatever goes in line with the vows. Yeah. But I think that that's also him just being like a little bit self-critical and just him spending a lot of time kind of thinking on the decisions that he's made. So like, Everybody kind of looks at themselves and get, knocks you down a few points kind of thing based on reality. So I don't think that Barrison, I don't think anybody else could have necessarily swayed Danny's trajectory because I think that she 
went into this whole situation with a strong idea of what she wanted to do. And she knew and she was told many times that it was by many different people from many different places that this was going to be an impossible task and that she should probably just move on and not really sink her teeth into something that's not her place necessarily. But she did it anyway, you know. And so I think that she trusts Barrison and I think that he's a strong person to be by her side like ride or die no yeah matter, no right he's really loyal to her and he deeply cares about her but i don't think that he or necessarily anybody else is going to like completely change who daenerys is at her core and like what her core choices are at this point along i mean if he had if he even had anticipated what was going to happen at the fighting pits what would he have done like what would he have been able to do about it i think it maybe would have started a lot earlier than that not necessarily been something that he'd like acting on then i'm more so thinking what's better to have as your head of your king's guard someone that's legendarily strong at fighting but sort of sort of even with their own mind like self-blocking with the code air quotes or someone that has a little more of a gray attitude on things like a Tyrion, who's going to be a little bit more crafty in their effectiveness of their uh Potentially, in their effectiveness of the way they advise you. Like, what's better? Someone who can fight really well with you or someone that can see things in a way that kind of scumbags would Mm -hmm. and, like, think like them and even openly, like, act. In this chapter, Barristan is, you know, so twisted about and suspicious and, you know, doesn't want to get caught being treasonous. About doing anything that seems particularly wiggly, like Game because of Thrones. He, I mean, he, you know, he, t- he takes his vow seriously. So what's better? You know, that's what I'm. That's, that's what I'm wondering. The, I mean, I think that's his. That could potentially be the ultimate question. Like yeah. How, if, and how he dies? Like, what does that? What does that answer for him? Well, if you're listening to this podcast still, please let us know what you think about <laughs> that question. I'm curious to know. Yeah. Would you like to move on to Owens? Yeah. What do you think about this chapter first? I thought it was good. Like I said, it's a thrill to be in Barristan's POV. So I liked it. I thought it was good. I mean, I there's not like a ton of drama necessarily, like movement necessarily. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of just self-reflection. But I loved the sequence of him talking about that first meal that he had after he was knighted and how important that was. That was like, so cool. It's just I love those. You're talking about emotions, choking yeah. when he was saying the, the, yeah. the lines. Yeah. Like so I just cool. think that that's really cool he's a really powerful figure and he's so passionate he has like reverence for the things yeah. that he does and that's why i can't necessarily blame him for putting so much stock into he's just trying to do his job and like yeah. you know so I, I think that i'm a little bit uh just pessimistic in general because i know how much he knows yeah so it's like i probably it'd be i'd like to be more like that if i could but it seems almost a little limiting but it also seems kind of nice that mm-hmm. he's so resolute so stalwart that's the kind of guy you want on your side. Right. Even if you don't necessarily think he's making the right decision from our POV. <clears throat> you may have just answered my question early then. <laughs> <laughs> um, My own, I already said what my own was earlier, LOL. But oh, I just thought that that moment with the shooting dragons out of the sky, that just made me laugh. I felt like there were so many layers to it <laughs> just based off of participating in the A Song of Ice of Fire community. So I'm going to give my own to that and... I'm going to give my own to Barristan talking about playing the Game of Thrones because I love it when that ha- the things like that come up. Mm-hmm. That's and- my own. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. 
Well, there you go. I have an LOL, though. If his grace wishes for me to remove myself from court, his radiance. They do things differently there than they do in Westeros. I get it, but radiance. <laughs> and then, yeah, the... Uh, mm, trying to find it. I'll read that quote. The worst were those who played the Game of Thrones. You win or you die. He just can't help but to just... Blech. <laughs> He's like, no, blech, not those guys. The worst are the people who play the Game of Thrones. Ugh, been around too many of them. And we've got an own from at P94 at home who says, God's so cool to get inside the head of the legendary Barrison Selmy. This dude's probably a treasure trove of information. Own to this line. In the Viper's pit that was marine, honor seemed as silly as a fool's motley. I was trying to think of that this whole time. Okay, great. That line sets the tone for how dangerous this place and the people that Barrison is dealing with in marine are. Gods, I was strong then. <laughs> the best response ever. If you want to send us in your own or your thoughts, feelings, etc., you can get in touch with us in a couple different ways. You can send us an email to contact at gameofbones.com, or you can find us across our different social media platforms, Twitter, OnlyFans, Instagram, Facebook, by searching for Game of Bones. Our next chapter on the podcast, I don't even need to look this up because I'm looking forward to it so much. The Iron Suitor. So, yeah. Vic Greyjoy gets his crazy hands. I'm so excited. You can find our reading order at afeastwithdragons.com if you want to catch up or if you want to read ahead for our next chapter. Oh, also, uh, George R. R. Martin, like, uh, tweeted a long time ago that <laughs> oh, yeah. there was a he tweeted this certain day i think he tweeted like in 2015 or something yeah. <laughs> was it a tweet or was it a blog post or he made like a comment i can't remember Somewhere. exactly we need to, we should probably look it up before we even talk about it but yeah someone can look it up yeah the gist is I, yeah, we probably should but he's basically said that i'm going to talk about it anyway he said if i don't have the book written by this time you can put me in jail or something yeah, <laughs> that's really funny i <laughs> love that a kind of energy date. yeah it was like 2020 <laughs> And I it's love 2020 kind of now. People. Well, the date has passed, so citizens arrest. I'm cool with it. Me too. I'm cool with it too. We we have this discussion all the time. Like, I think we're obviously very excited for the next book, but there's so many things that we have left to talk about. So take your time, bro, bro brother. <laughs> <laughs> take time, brother. With the two little dots yeah. over the U. That's how. Uh, what's his name? I always forget. Would say that. Who? Oh, talking about uh, Tormund? No. Or no, oh, Cold Hands. No, nobody it's from- It's Cold Hands. No, I'm thinking about your favorite YouTuber. Which one? I always forget his name. What does he do? He died. <laughs> oh, Fed Smoker. Yeah, 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 Fed Smoker. <laughs> yeah, 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 because he says brother a lot, too. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Hmm. Well, this is fun. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, we've got 400 and something damn episodes that you can go back and listen to if you're bored. <laughs> also, there's lots of other stuff to check out these days. What's uh, what's something you're Have getting you all into? Seen The Witcher. <laughs> the Witcher, yeah. The Witcher's good. Hannah won't watch it for some talk reason. About this. <laughs> can we just wrap up the book? I like. I love The Witcher, and for some reason, Hannah doesn't want to watch what? it. <laughs> Bye, everybody. She's like, I don't want to comment well, on this. <laughs> we don't need to fill time at the end of the episode. No, I'm not trying to fill time. I'm just hanging I out. I mean, if you want to talk about the stuff that we've been watching on Netflix. 
I mean, yeah, I've been sure. watching The Babysitter's Club. I don't have time okay. to watch The Witcher. 90 Day Fiance for me. We are both <laughs> Sorry, 90 before day. the 90 Day. <laughs> we are both pretty big 90 Day fans. We're all watching different portions of 90 Day. Yeah, I've been going backwards. I started with the latest one, and I'm starting to go back. And I feel like I'm being, I'm definitely being brainwashed for sure. Absolutely, but that's like the best reality show. And by best, you mean the most brainwashed? Just the most, yeah. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. Well, we're gonna work on that as much as possible for this podcast. So beware. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're done. <laughs> okay. Melt it down and add it to the others. <laughs>